0: Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to a special episode of Team Success. And this is my author interview with Alex Goldfain, author of Selling Boldly. Now, what's interesting about this interview is we did it before the global shutdown because of COVID-19. You may recognize that I'm not, in fact, in the studio, which is why it will sound a little bit different. However, I think Alex's message is still incredibly important. Right now, your sales team needs all the positivity and focus on gratitude that they can get, and they also have to be really, really clear on the value that your business is creating for your clientele so it may not be selling boldly maybe we'll be selling supportively in this time but his message about connection about the need to really reach out to people about starting your sales meetings with positivity and gratitude and client wins i know we've actually been doing this as strategic coach and it's made a huge difference for our sales team so in the spirit of supporting your sales team please listen and enjoy selling boldly Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Team Success. This is a very special podcast because today I am interviewing someone that I am really passionate about his book and his message, and his name is Alex Goldfain, and the book is Selling Boldly. And before I let Alex come on, he's sitting here waiting, I want to tell you a little bit of a story about how this happened. So I've started off in sales at Strategic Coach 28 and a half years ago. And always been passionate about it, always cared about it. And literally, I'm in the airport bookstore, which, by the way, is the place to find a ton of really great books. And literally, this book kind of fell off the shelf at me. I'm like, selling boldly. It's gold. It's orange. It just pops out at you. It looks like a sunburst. And then I opened up a particular chapter, and he talked about how people go from hunting to gathering as salespeople, and I was hooked. And I don't like carrying books around the airport, but I'm like, this is worth it. (laughs) And then I happened to mention your book, Alex, on a podcast where someone was interviewing me. I'm not even confident I got the title right. And he found you, and then you contacted me. So I love the creativity and the resourcefulness of all of that. So welcome to Team Success, and thank you so much for spending the time with us today.
1: Thank you, Shannon, for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. I really appreciate being on. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. So... You know, given the focus is team success and what I really am thrilled about is actually focusing in on sales team success, because sales is a confidence game, which I think a lot of people forget, actually. And you have such a stellar, thoughtful, heartful approach to it, yet it's also incredibly strategic. So I can't wait for people to know about this. And so if anyone's doing sales, has done sales... Isn't a company where sales happen? This conversation will be incredibly relevant to you. So, Alex, I mean, I haven't really done a proper introduction other than to say that you wrote this fabulous book. So, Selling Boldly is the applying the new science of positive psychology to dramatically increase your confidence, happiness, and sales, which is, to my mind, just a fabulous title. You've also authored some other books, Evangelist Marketing, What Apple, Amazon, and Netflix Understand About Their Customers That Your Company Probably Doesn't. And you've also got a new book coming out called Five Minute Selling, which I hope to talk to you about in August when it comes out. And you've also written another book called The Revenue Growth Habit, The Simple Art of Growing Your Business by 15% in 15 minutes a day. So I love that you're after short, fast, effective strategies that produce a really big outcome. But that's only kind of the surface level, Alex. What else should we know about you?
1: So thanks for those kind words. I feel like that was a very detailed and involved (laughs) introduction. So thank you, Shannon. I have 10-year-old twins, a boy and a girl so they're really the reason that I work. Well, them and my wife. My wife makes sure I have enough to eat, and then I go and try to make the money. (laughs) uh, Another interesting thing that I think informs a lot of my work here is that I wasn't born here in the U.S. where I live now. I live in the Chicago area. I was born in Ukraine, which is the former Soviet Union, and we came here with about $20 U.S. And so that very much informs my work and shapes how I go about this.
0: Mm-hmm. And in fact, you talk about that in one of your chapters about gratitude. And you appreciate even being able to struggle in the United States, as you call it, the most entrepreneurial country in the world. And that even just the opportunities and the lack of barriers is something to be appreciated, even if you are struggling in that. So there's a very gracious approach that you bring to that. And I think that part of your background, as you said, absolutely informs everything that you do. Love it. All right. So just by way of introduction, what's kind of the essence of Selling Boldly and why is the positive psychology aspect of it so important?
1: So I think the essence of Selling Boldly is overcoming our sort of automatic fears that are in our heads that happen so fast we don't even know they're there. You know, fear is the reason we don't pick up the phone and send an email instead. Fear is the reason we don't ask for the business every time, even though the customer would like us to. Fear is the reason we don't follow up on every quote or proposal that's out there, even though the customer would want us to. And the thing we're afraid of is losing the customers, making the customer upset. Is the customer leaving us? And so we tiptoe, and we're cautious, and we're careful, and we don't want to offend. And as a result of that, tragically, we're not doing the work that the customer wants from us. And what they want from us is for us to be present, is for us to show them that we care, is for us to be interested in helping them. And that's what those things are that we don't do. Picking up the phone and calling a customer when nothing is wrong
2: mm-hmm.
1: it is about showing them that we're interested and that we care and nobody else is doing this for them. So that's the mindset piece. And you know, the selling effort follows that mindset. If we're cautious and timid and careful and afraid we sell accordingly which means not so much <laughs> not so well yeah. and conversely if we're confident and optimistic and grateful and bold we sell that way mm-hmm. you know we're present and we communicate and we ask for more and we even inform our customers about what else they can buy from us and we ask them what else they're buying elsewhere because we want to help them with that so our selling always follows our mindset. Mm. Always. And so the mindset has to be right before the selling gets to where we need it to be. So that's why selling boldly is very much based and built on these concepts from the field of positive psychology.
2: Mm, I
0: love it. So I love sailing always follows mindset. Yes. That's a great takeaway already. Thank you. And you also make a very clear distinction. This actually is how the book is structured too, which I'm strongly encouraging everyone to either get in their Kindle right now as you're listening or to order it as soon as you get, you know, somewhere you can place an order with Amazon or wherever you like to buy books, because it's so incredibly useful. And as I said, it fell off the shelf at me, which was really fun. I always trust those little moments. But you talk about the difference between selling boldly and selling fearfully, I think is how you put it. And I found that list super educational. And I also like how you write. It's short and point form, and it's just super easy to ingest. So can we go through some of those things? Because I want people to – all of us are selling Something all the time is one mindset, and in particular, if this is a function that you're doing or that your company is doing, you know, recognizing these behaviors and how you're showing up or what your mindset is is really critical to knowing how to shift to that selling boldly mindset. So, can you draw some of those distinctions? Because I think they're incredibly useful.
1: The list of opposites in the book. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Let me go and get myself a copy of the book. But you know, we could go from the top of my head. The gratitude piece is interesting because I think. We have so much to be grateful for. You know, one of the differences here is selling gratefully, which means that we appreciate the opportunities and we even appreciate, we're grateful even for the losses that we have, right? For the sales we don't get because we got to try and we got to try to help somebody and they got to learn about what we do. And so the opposite of that, of selling gratefully, I think in the sales profession is not being ungrateful, right? Which is the technical opposite of gratitude. I think it's being cynical. Mm. I think cynicism is the opposite of gratitude. And, you know, the cynical salesperson tends to be one that's been around in the role for some time. They tend to be more experienced, right? Than those Mm -hmm. who are less experienced. They've had, I think, their share of, well, they've had a career's worth of losses and wins, right? As opposed to being early on. And the cynical salespeople might say things like, well, well, boy, here, the phone's ring and here comes another problem, or here we go again, or of course they said no. They always say no, right? That's what a cynical salesperson might say. A grateful salesperson will say, well, look at I got to try, and now I get to move on to somebody else because at least I know that they're not interested, right? So that's one. Uh, let me just rattle off a couple others here. Proactive salespeople are people who make the calls and offer additional products and ask about what else people need, right. Or services, of course, reactive salespeople, they, well, we just kind of take orders, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of pick up the phone phone call comes in, you pick up the phone person usually has a problem or an issue, right. Or something that gets something's wrong or they have something very urgent, which is why they picked up the phone in the first place. So we have to react to that. We have to react. We're in the customer service business. And then we solve that problem, and we're very good at solving it, and we put down the phone, and then the phone rings immediately again, right? Before you even take your hand off the phone, it rings again, and there's another problem or service for us to react to. If that is how we spend our day, and most of us do, I would say more than 90% of people in sales spend our day that way. If that is how we spend our day, our growth and our success is not up to us.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It is up to whatever is incoming, right? It's out of our control. We're not in control of our growth and our success. The flip side of that is proactive communication, is us picking up the phone and making a call every now and then when nothing is wrong. Because just as we only hear from customers when something's wrong for them, our customers only hear from their salespeople when something is wrong. Right. So proactive salespeople always outsell reactive salespeople. Here's another pair. Confident salespeople will always outsell fearful salespeople. Optimistic salespeople will always outsell pessimistic salespeople, right? Who would you rather buy from, the optimist or the pessimist, right? You don't want the guy that says, "Eh, no, I don't know if our services are right for you, right? (laughs) I don't want to buy from that guy. I want to buy from the guy that says, I know I can help you. Let's go. Let me help you. So that's some of those mindset opposites that go through kind of chapter by chapter in the book.
0: I love it. I actually want to do a bit of a deep dive, and this is one of the later chapters. Take constant communication action, uh-huh. which is really, again, combination of being proactive and confident, and you're just like, make the call. And I know for our business, which is very outgoing, I mean, we love when people call us, but you know that's, that's not how most entrepreneurs are working. So for our salespeople, for example, with whom I've been working quite closely the last four months they're making outgoing calls all the time. And it's interesting, I love how you talked about picking up the phone versus emailing. Bab Smith, co-founder of Coach, would 100% agree with you. So talk to me about how a salesperson who's looking at you know, a list of people to call and phone numbers and their phone, and they're like, Maybe I should send an email. You know, what's your coaching for someone like that who's like, uh, what would you say to someone who's just intimidated because your whole point about fear is the greatest enemy of sales is and that by the way everyone is the beginning of the book is so true, but it's, you know, call reluctance, all of that sort of thing. So, how do you address that with people?
1: I think you'll find if you're avoiding calling people proactively, right? And that's the key. The key is to call them when nothing is wrong to check in with them and to catch up with them. And the other key is you need to know who these people are, meaning I'm not advocating cold calling, right? I understand that some people need to cold call when you're building your book of business, but these are people, you know, and who know you, right? They know your name and you know their name. So they'll recognize you. I think you'll find when you call people like this in response to your question about, you know, what do I say to people who have fear about picking up the phone? I think you'll find people happy to hear from you because nobody calls them. (laughs) we think that everybody's calling, that their phones are ringing off the hook. No, it's not that way. Nobody's calling. Everybody's afraid, you know? You'll find you'll have a nice conversation. If you have to leave a voicemail, you'll find they'll probably call you back, right? Especially if you leave in your message something like, don't worry, nothing's wrong. I was calling because I'm thinking about you. How are you? How's your family? Literally leave that in a message. You'll find they'll call you back because nobody says that to them. Mm -hmm. And besides that, it's impossible to be mad at you when you say, I was thinking about you, right? It's impossible to get angry about that because that's a kindness that you're doing them, right? You're honoring them. So I think you'll find yourself having lots of warm conversations if you call some people sometimes. And Mm -hmm. by the way, you know, you and I are recording this at a time where things are pretty anxious in the world. You know, there's a lot of discomfort in the world right? Even when the markets aren't crashing and even when coronavirus isn't blowing up, right? And making people deathly afraid, literally. There's a lot of discomfort out there. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of angst. There's a lot of fear out there. And when you make these kinds of calls, you know, people need that comfort and Mm -hmm. you'll find they're going to gravitate to that. They're going to gravitate to you being an island in the storm for them because they're literally walking through storms, right? It's crazy out there. Turn on the television news. It's crazy out there. And if you can bring people peace and comfort, right, just by being present, they're literally going to thank you with their money, right? So I want to be clear. This is not like woo-woo, cloudy yoga stuff, right? The point is to grow sales. I want you to bring home more money, right, if you're listening to this. And I'm telling you, the more present you are for people, the more predictable you are, the more comfort you give people where they can believe to themselves this person's going to do what he says. Or this person will be there for me. She's going to pick up the phone even when it's late at night, even when it's the weekend, even when she might be on vacation. They're going to thank you with their money. They're going to buy more from you. They'll thank you with their business.
0: Mm, I love that. Fantastic. We're going to get into some techniques for how you help people stay grateful and optimistic. And the other thing in your book, you're very generous with tools. And as someone at Coach, who we're big on tools... Love that. Thank you. (laughs) So as part of your, you've got a really great selling worksheet.
1: Yeah, I can talk to you all day, Shannon. You're being very complimentary. Don't stop. (laughs) I don't plant it. Keep that going.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm telling you all the stuff I really like about your book. And trust me, if I didn't like it, we wouldn't be talking right now. So there you go. You actually help people get into the mindset the first part of their day. And you also have a great tip for managers, which I hope you'll share too, about how, and I'm looking at page 41, is just getting really clear. So I'm just gonna share this because I think it's brilliant. Three recent sales wins I'm proud of. So you fill that out for yourself. So this is so much like the positive focus as strategic coach. And for a salesperson who's got to start kind of fresh every morning, at least at coach you do, you're calling prospects who may or may not know you actually. It's super important to recognize when you turn someone around or when you got a great referral from someone, or I like the word introduction better now, but when you really had a win, you know, someone just said yes. And then the other thing, three specific things I'm grateful for, personal or professional, to put you into that mindset of gratitude that you talk about. And one of our coaches, Lee Brower, loves to talk about big beginning gratitude, which is totally core with that. And then you also get to top three things my customers value and appreciate about working with me. Uh So you're getting someone into the head, into headspace or attitude mindset of really coming from a very positive, optimistic, this is how to sell boldly, right? But you have to almost have that conversation with yourself before you can be that way with other people. I mean, is this just what you discovered after coaching people for so long that they needed some way to get themselves into the right headspace?
1: So first of all, and I'm very open about this in the book, these aren't my ideas. A lot of this stuff, as I've already said, and as you've said, this comes from the field of positive psychology, right? And the founder, the father of positive psychology is a man named Martin Seligman. Seligman, actually, I studied in college, right? And one day, five years ago, we were speaking at the same event. and No way. Literally, he was one of the founders of behavioral psychology. He was an intern when Skinner, B.F. Skinner, founded behavioral psychology which is the rats pushing the levers and getting the pellets of food anyway Seligman's seminal work is called learned optimism it's a little paperback and you know i think it was written in the 90s it's an extraordinary concept where and he was you know the first to say this because his research bears this out scientifically he said you can learn just as the title says right you can learn to be optimistic you can make yourself more positive is what that means and he lays out ways to do that. He has another book out called The Optimistic Child. In that book, if you're listening and you have young kids, it has specific techniques to teach optimism to your kids. And one of the things he says in there is, last thing before bed, as you're putting your kids down, say to them, what were your three favorite things of the day? What did you like best today? And so we started doing that with our kids, right? So they were probably four or five when we started this, right? They're 10 now. I have a son and a daughter. And It's extraordinary because the last thing they think about before they close their eyes is three good things. Mm -hmm. And so I essentially applied those lessons, those concepts, right, which are supported by science, his science, their science. By the way, he still runs the Department of Positive Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania in his 80s. Wow. In his 80s, he's still running this department. Love it. So that's where that comes from. And, you know, if you can think of something positive either sales that you're proud of and you could keep rethinking the same ones. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be new ones every day. You know, things you're grateful for. Who do you work for? What good things have you accomplished? And if you can write that down first thing in the morning, you're going to find that to be fuel for this work that you might find uncomfortable. You know, this work of picking up the phone, of being present, of offering additional products, of asking what products and services your customers might need. So I think of it as it's the psychological fuel for doing this work. It's
0: mm, so critical. I mean, I've always heard sales talked about as a confidence game, and you know, you've got those conversations where you've tried to reach out to tons of people and they haven't picked up the phone, or you've got a negative response, or. One of the salespeople I was hanging out with on the weekend for my speech, she said, yeah, I got hung up on the other day. I'm like, that's not much fun. You know, so you have to fuel yourself, as you said, to be able to deal with, you know, the challenging circumstances to be able to keep going to the more positive ones.
1: But, you know, in baseball, if you fail 70% of the time, you go to the Hall of Fame, right? right? One of yeah. the best ever. Now in sales, there's not a lot of us that are successful 30% of the time, right? Our sales averages are lower than that. For most people. And so we're failing most, or let's say almost all of the time. Mm -hmm. And yet we can have a really good, successful life that way, right? That's our work. That's what we do. And so the failures only get us closer to the next success, right? The no's get us closer to the next yes. We cannot get to the yes without getting through the no's. We have to get through the no's. There's no choice. And Mm so that's
2: how to think about
0: it. One of the things that really struck me about the book was how you talked about how a sales manager can really help set up their team for success. And that was by actually sharing some of the client wins, where they would go and you actually do this, you call people's clients, when you engage with someone, you call their clients And you have the most, we won't get into it now, I'll leave something for people to discover on their own. But you have this very incredibly solid process for gathering Mm -hmm. testimonials without ever actually calling it a testimonial.
1: Shannon, you've seen me do this live, right, if I recall?
0: No, I have not.
1: So when I work with a client, as you just said, we call either I or my customer interviewer. I ask to speak to some happy customers right? now, you don't need me to do it. You can do this yourself. If you're listening to this, you call a customer and you say to them, what are some of your favorite things about working with us, right? And how does that help you? Because we're always hearing about what's wrong and what the problem is. It's interesting. We spend 100% of our time talking with the 10 to 20% of customers who are unhappy or have a problem. But the other 80% who's not calling us We don't talk to them. They're good. So they're not calling us. They don't have a problem. Nothing's wrong. So they're not calling us and we're not calling them because we're so busy answering the phone every time one of the other 10 to 20% of unhappy customers calls us. So I say, go to the happy ones, ask them what they're happy about. They will tell you. Nobody will ever say to you, I'd rather not share with you what's on my mind, right? Nobody says that. People are happy to be asked what they think. They'll tell you. And then again, that becomes more fuel. That becomes the base, the foundation on which you build your proactive communications and your sales success.
0: Mm, Great. And you also talk about managers actually circulating this information or sharing, reading it out loud in a sales meeting. And I was so struck by that. How does that work?
1: So I have clients who get testimonial books from me. They get hundreds of testimonials from these conversations that we do. You know, and this is just hundreds of bullet points of love from the customer. They're always there for me. They save me 50% of my time. You make me look good to my customers. You know, and you, Shannon, you have clients who would say this about you, right? Just as everybody listening has customers or clients that would say this about them. And I want people to marinate in this positivity, right? That's what we need because we marinate in negativity all day. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to hear the positivity, but also to see it written down and I want it in front of your eyes. And so for your managers, you know, if you're a manager with a team, put this in front of people, let people see how good they are. Not you saying it, right? Manager, I don't want you to tell them they're great for these reasons because they're going to be like, what does the boss want me to do now and not pay me anymore for it? I want the paying customer to say why they're wonderful. Because if the paying customer says it, it's just the truth. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to say they're lying. Why would they lie? In fact, if they're talking to you, the manager, and something is wrong, they will register the complaint. You know, they will share the complaint with you. And there's just no defense for it. It's impossible to defend against the happy customer. I can defend against the boss telling me something, but I can't defend against a happy cousin. Uh-huh. So that's why we share it with people. We show them how good we are. And then we say, look, they know how good you are. Customer knows how good you are. Now I want you to know how good you are. And then I want you to behave accordingly.
0: Uh-huh. We'll circle back. There's more I want to ask you about. But your final message in the book is go help more people. Uh-huh. which is such a contributing way to look at sales. You know, it's uh-huh. such a positive way to look at sales. It's like, good, go help more people so that they can say these great things. You know, that's pretty spectacular. So I just, Thank again, you. the whole positive message of this and why to sell boldly is just through line. Shannon, I'm
1: telling you, I'll talk to you for four hours if (laughs) you want. Let's go. (laughs) Keep it coming. All right,
0: done. Now, you make another point, the one I brought up earlier about the hunting versus gathering and how there's a Uh shift in people over time. And someone who has done some version of sales for 28 and a half years and sometimes more directly than others, describe that process because, again, I found that particularly a useful way to think about things.
1: Tell me which process?
0: Hunting versus gathering.
1: Right. So, It's a way that sales managers and owners and, you know, the executives will often talk about their salespeople and think about their salespeople. And so hunters are people who go out and get business, develop new business. Gatherers tend to be a category of people who accept what's incoming and little else. You know, as I picture it, often their salespeople... And of course, none of our listeners are like this, (laughs) Shadow. They're salespeople. And this is literally, I'm going to tell you what I picture in my head, right? So it might sound a little weird, but here's what it is. They're sitting outside, right? And if you're listening to this, I want you to understand this is the competition, okay? This is who you're up against. So understand what the competition is like. It's like this. They're sitting in a field, right? On their butts. If they can reach it without moving or even leaning in one direction or another, then they will accept that sale. They will get that sale. But if it's over there, if it requires them standing up and taking a step to sit back down and get it over there, they won't go get it, right? Because they're just answering the phone all day. They're literally, they're just taking what's around them. And if they can gather it with their hands on their butt without moving, then they gather it. If they have to walk up one step or three steps or five steps, they're not going to do it. So listen, you do it. You go there. You go a step away from that guy and you help the customer because that guy ain't helping them right? That's how I think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's a very sort of, I don't know dramatic and enthusiastic sort of description, but I would paint it this way as well. and we've touched on this already. If you're a new salesperson and you don't have a book of business yet, you're hunting by default, right You don't really have a choice. you have to hunt because you don't have any money and you need some money so you're out there and you're selling. Once you succeed in that a little bit and you start to have customers who need things from you, your phone is going to start to ring. And you will imperceptibly progress without even knowing it to becoming a gatherer because you're just gonna get busier and you're gonna be like, yes, I'm finally busy. I've done it, right? They're calling me. And you start to help them. And without even knowing that this is happening, you're going to move away from the proactive work, right? Because you have to answer the phone, you gotta do that work. And about two years in, most people complete the entirety of that journey, right? From being a 100% hunter to being a 100% gatherer.
0: Interesting. And gatherers aren't doing much. I mean, other than just kind of taking what's already they're receiving. So if someone is, say, two years into their selling career and they're yeah. starting to make that almost, as you talk about, imperceptible but definite change, how can they not drop that proactive part? You know, what is some of your coaching for them to go, hey, don't forget to reach out still?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is kind of like the key practical application of what we're talking about here, this particular question. So what we have to do is inject proactive communications, which are really fast, really quick, into our otherwise reactive day, which means you answer the phone, customer has a problem, you solve the problem as you do, as you're very good at, and then you say, by the way, did you know? That we can also help you with X, Y, or Z. Or, by the way, what else are you buying elsewhere that I could help you with? I call that the reverse did you know question, right? What else do you need quoted, right, in your world and services? What else can I help you with, right? What other areas do you need my help with? So we have to look for opportunities to infuse repeatedly, right, in system, not once in a while, systematically, over an extended period of time. Because doing it once or twice, it doesn't matter. You know, it's a snowflake that's going to fall to the ground and melt. But if you do it many times, all the time, what you'll find is you're creating a blizzard. You're creating a blizzard of proactivity. So, you know, I think the practical application of our entire discussion here is while you do the reactive work that you have to do to serve your customers, we must infuse some or a bunch of three-second proactive actions.
0: Mm, I love it because I always want to know how can people take action on what we're talking about? So you've just actually <laughs> answered that question. And the question's like I was in a sales meeting earlier today and I actually said, Oh, we should be using this expression, do you know? And asking that question. So thank you. I've already put that into play. And it's powerful because then people just go, Oh, actually, no, I didn't know. And as someone who, you know, for me with the strategic coach team programs has been my baby started it turns out 25 years ago who knew mm. and it's one of those things where I oh yeah I, someone actually walked up to me the other day and he said you know i realized last time i talked to you i said hey you guys should have a program for team members and i'm like oh you mean like that board of programs over there with all the brochures mm. he goes oh sorry i didn't yep. know <laughs> he didn't know so people can miss the obvious even though i think i've been shouting it from the rooftops turns out, no, I have not. And until someone's kind of ready, but that's why you have to keep, I love that what you said about the systematic nature of it. It's critical to keep it going because you don't know when it's actually going to land and stick. So really, you know, making it a habit is critical.
1: So just because you tell somebody something doesn't mean they know.
0: Oh, tell me more.
1: Which is why people will often say, I didn't know you did that as you experienced, right? Because they've probably seen emails and you might've even talked about some of those things on that board with this person. And because we remember everything we say and talk about, because we're always thinking about our stuff, the customer isn't. The customer's thinking about their stuff. So just because you tell somebody something once or twice or even maybe five times, doesn't mean they know it in their heads, right? You've told them. I don't know. Did they hear it? Did it register? Do they remember it? You know, that's a lot of ifs. That's a lot of, you know, do theys. So many times when you hear from people, I didn't know you did that, it's just because... They haven't kept it. It hasn't attached itself to their rights. So it takes more than one. So you got to keep telling people. That's why I said once or twice doesn't mean anything, right? We have to do it in system.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's such a critical point. Well, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Alex, and we've touched on a lot of the book and gone deep on a couple of things. What else should people really walk away from this conversation about selling boldly? And how can they get in touch with you? Because I know I was super inspired and wanting to put this into play with our team. So well, thank you. You're welcome. So what else should people know? And how can they get in touch with you?
1: So what else should people know is basically the more that people hear from you, the more they buy from you. Oh, you know, that's really what it boils down to. The less that people hear from you, the less they buy from you. And the two never mix, right? You can never communicate less and sell more ever. It's just against the laws of physics, right? It's also impossible to not sell more if you're communicating a lot more, right? Sales literally have no choice but to grow if you're communicating a good deal more. So that's what happens. So my typical clients add 10 to 20% to their sales annually, year after year, by systematically applying the things we've talked about today, right? You have to do it in system. Everybody who faces customers ideally does these things, right? Inside sales, outside sales, customer service, tech support, whoever you have, maybe somebody at the counter. If you're in a service company, it's the salespeople, it's the doers, it's the seller doers, it's everybody, it's the consultants. So 10 to 20% annually, but individual salespeople have doubled their sales doing this work, have tripled their sales doing this work. Yeah, because they start making calls. (laughs) They start being present for people. You know, nobody wants to buy from four suppliers when they can do it with one, when they can just have their guy, right? Mm -hmm. Or their person, right? And you're their person. Don't make them go somewhere else. You help them. So that's my answer to what else should people know, right? The more that you communicate, the more that people will buy. Where people can get in touch with me, they can start by going to my website, which is my last name, goldfane.com. It's probably the title of this podcast that you're listening to. My current latest book is called Selling Boldly, as you kindly discussed throughout our conversation today. The book that launches this summer in early August is called 5-Minute Selling, and that's just a practical guide to doing these things, right? And the five minutes comes from five combined minutes a day of proactive effort can do as much as doubling your sales, Uh. right? Can double your sales in five combined minutes a day. So all of this information will be on my website, goldfane.com. I'm on LinkedIn. The books are everywhere. The books are sold. So I'm hard to miss. If you Google my name, you'll see me.
0: <laughs> I love it, and I would love to have you back to talk about five minutes selling when the book is available, and we'll I'd be
2: grateful for that'd that would be
0: super fun. That. So, Alex, just a final thank you. I mean, I'm very appreciative when I see a book about mindsets, especially applied to selling, which is certainly how I started my career. And I've done retail, and I've done B two B, and you add such. This is going to sound really hokey, but it adds a lot of light to what can be a really challenging career choice. And as you talked about, you're not winning most of the time. So really having the fortitude and the fuel to go out and go help more people and to connect with what's working and to come from a state of positivity and optimism and gratitude to me is such a healthy way to do this and when it can have an impact of you know doubling tripling a salesperson's results from themselves and adding 10 to 20% to revenue that's a massive win on both sides both you know, heart and bottom line, I think, for companies. So I'm, as you already know, very excited about this. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Shanna, thank you
1: for the generosity. That's very generous of you. I'm well, grateful.
0: to you. You, you did it. So I'm thrilled to share it. Thank you again. So everyone go check out goldfane.com. Check out Alex. I know I can't wait for the new book, which I'll be sharing with our sales team. And I hope everyone can go out of this conversation selling boldly. Thank you, Alex.
1: Thank you, Shannon.